4: any disease.
3: Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring?
5: Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I was in early contractions, but it was still really
2: painful. And I look up and my husband's just like full on eating a cheeseburger.
5: (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's Katie Lowe's. Welcome to the fourth season of Katie's Crib. And for the past few months, I have been endlessly negotiating with my toddler, the three-nager Albie. I have been babbling with my newborn daughter, Vera. I've been getting vaccinated. I've been getting out of my sweats, a.k.a. my quarantine uniform. I've been getting into character for a few new projects. And basically... I couldn't be more excited to be sitting back in my closet, the one part of the house that has locks on the door, (laughs) talking with you guys. So much has happened over this brief hiatus, some of which inspired topics that actually I am, in all honesty, a little bit nervous about. But ultimately, I am very much looking forward to sharing with you and to dig into this season. I want season four to provide you guys with joy and laughter. It has been a very, very tough time for a lot of people. And I want us to come together, come back to our Katie's Crib community, laugh, and have a damn good time. So, pour yourself a drink, sit down, take a breath, listen, and get into the new season of Katie's Crib. I'm so excited about today's guest. It's, come on, it's really just a hang sesh. That's what it is. It's with me. And my girl Kat McPhee Foster. I made my Broadway debut with her in the amazing musical written by Sarah Borellis, Waitress. And Kat and I have been, we've been friends just ever since. She just became a mom, like two seconds ago. And by two seconds ago, I mean like a few months by the time of this podcast airing. And I was like, we gotta have Cat open season four! I hadn't talked to her yet, and I just wanted to hear all about her birth story and her pregnancy and the whole situation in the realest, dealist form. So Here she is, Kat McPhee Foster. You know Kat. As an actress, singer, songwriter, and philanthropist, you may also know her from the fifth season of American Idol. She has, like, a huge acting list. CBS, drama Scorpion, the musical drama Smash, which is me and Adam's favorite. She's been on everything. CSI in New York, guys. Hello. Family Guy, the house bunny. She stars on the new Netflix comedy series Country Comfort. She sings and acts on it, so be sure to check that out. And she is married to the now 16 Grammy Award winner producer David Foster. And, of course, they just introduced their son, Rennie, into the world in February. Kat, welcome to Katie's Crib. How you handheld walked me through my Broadway debut. I have never been so scared in my entire life. You were the Jenna to, um, wait, oh my God, Mom Brain. What the heck was my character's name again? Dawn. Oh yeah, Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) I might have just tuned it all out because I was so scared. (laughs) But you're a mom now.
2: I'm a mom now. We're both moms. Well, you were already a mom when I met you, but now you're a two-time mom.
5: I have to say, did you always know you wanted to be a mom? Because this is so interesting, but I actually don't have a lot of friends that I would describe as maternal, and you are one of them. Like, Thank you. Like, you were always such a caretaker. Aww. And And um, you're so good at empathy and and all of these things that supposedly make a good mom. So have you always wanted to be a mom?
2: Yeah, I have. I've always wanted to be a mom. I got married really young, but that didn't work out. And then I hit my 30s, and I was just, like, doing that single thing. And every year that would go by, I would think, didn't find somebody, this guy's not right, that guy's not right. And I would get sad because I was just like, oh, my God, I'm I'm such a, like, natural, I'm really comfortable around babies. And I just couldn't believe that I— was the, the girl that grew up wanting to have kids, even fantasizing about my babies from when I was a kid? Which right. is, you know, some girls are like that. Some girls are not. My sister was completely not like that.
5: Absolutely. That's why I. Th- it was always like so. Like I felt that vibe from you. Like I was yeah. like, wow, I'm so lucky that she's like caretaking me when I'm losing my mind. You were
2: so awesome, <laughs> and yeah, just I guess from when I was little, I always just felt natural around babies. I always wanted to be in the. My mom would sing at this church every Sunday. It was, like, not a religious experience. It was, like, for she was paid as a singer to sing. And I would go with her, and I would want to be in the nursery because I wanted to be around the baby. So I finally
5: got my baby. Wait, so wait, uh, you always wanted to be a mom. You end up not finding the person you wanted to make that decision with. Did you ever decide, like, oh, I should freeze my eggs or anything like that? Or you were, like, it came in the nick of time, the whole the man of your dreams— lining up.
2: You ask that because, um, my doctor who I love, um, when I was 28, I was going through divorce. It was really tumultuous experience. It was like not, you know, it was some of my low lows in my adult life. And I was like literally in the stirrups doing a checkup and, you know, crying to her about like, you know, my shitty circumstances and shitty choices that I made. And, um, it was just straight of a movie. This sounds like a, if I'm picturing her in a bad way, but she was it's just more of a classic moment where I'm like, my legs are in a stirrup, yep. got tears coming down my eyes, and yep. she's like, "Well, you might want to consider freezing your eggs." And I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? No!" Um, And I was very, very against that. Like, I just, I wasn't open to the idea at all. I, it just for me, it was upsetting the reality of that, you know. Yeah. Um, but. As I got older, I understood why so many women use it as an insurance, right? Like, it gives us the power to, to have time and to have a career if we want to and to wait for that special person. Um, so I, I changed my view on it, obviously, a lot later. But yes, at 28, yes. I was mortified. I was like, I'm 20. I felt like—
5: How are the fuck are we already having this conversation? Yeah, exactly. like, I'm like a baby. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, so you do find true love. You finally have your baby. Do you feel like you're good at parenthood? I mean, from here, it definitely seems like you are.
2: Thanks. I think the answer is yes, but I also want to be careful not to sound like, oh, I'm just, I know it all. And because the reality is, is I've I've learned so much and there's things that I didn't expect. But for the most part, it's been a total dream. I've been really lucky. The pregnancy was not as romantic. That's the one thing that I I fantasize as well about as a young girl, like in a teenager Mm -hmm. and a young adult, like, I can't wait to be pregnant. I'm going to feel so beautiful. And I didn't really feel that way uh, Mm -hmm. throughout most of it. But Mm -hmm. I will say from the last, Last month of pregnancy, I felt so good. I felt strong and energized. And then to going into the doctor's office and realizing that she needed to induce me. I was like four days past my due date, but she needed to induce me because my fluid level got really low and mm-hmm, dangerously mm-hmm. low and merconium was in the fluid and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. um to that being induced, to laboring down as long as I wanted to, getting to experience the pain and having—we have so
5: many things in common. I know. We have the same doula, Rebecca Beninati, who's been on Katie's crib twice. So <laughs> She's um, the best. She was my sister's doula. Best. So the pregnancy wasn't all unicorns, daisies, frolicking. Was there any hiccups or anything out of the ordinary, or was it like a pretty— Um,
2: uh, No, it was pretty, like— Run-of-the-mill. <laughs> run-of-the-mill pregnancy. It was—I'm um I'm, I'm trying to think— You know, I got that, like, what's that thing that only 14% of pregnant women get?
5: Is it strep B? Strep B. Oh, yeah. And Pete, we should talk about that. We've not talked about that a lot on this. Po- well, actually, I don't think we've ever talked about it on this podcast. Well, there's not
2: I mean, there's not really that much to talk about. But I remember when my doctor said, hey, just, so you know, like your cultures came back and we're going to have to you have the strep B, whatever. And I was like, what? What? You know, was so I thought it sounded so horrible. And she's like, it's literally not a big deal. Nice. I was thinking it would yep. interrupt like having a natural childbirth or whatever. Yep. And they yep. literally just give you antibiotics before you give birth to your baby.
5: Yeah, it's basically like in the, and I I know this because I had another friend who also had it, but when you get towards the very end, they do a little cotton swab around your butt and your vagina that you don't even feel. You're so swollen, you don't even know what the fuck's going on. I actually got mine
2: really early on, so I knew really early.
5: Yeah. You did?
2: Yeah, I don't, I I mean, I got mine in like the first trimester. so, uh So you learn
5: something new every day. I didn't even know that was possible.
2: Yeah, it was it's a it's like something you're carrying. It's like some bacteria that you it's not harmful to you at all and like it doesn't necessarily mean you'll have it for your next pregnancies. But like you could pass it to your baby and it could be harmful to your baby basically. But like they yeah. really just pump you with antibiotics before you give birth and it's fine.
5: And it's basically only if the baby gets stuck in the canal yeah. for an endless amount of time, they don't want the bacteria. Yeah that you wouldn't have even known about. It's literally a precautionary. Their, yeah, it's a precautionary thing. So when in the hep lock, when you're hooked up to everything, they put an antibiotic in there and you don't even know. Right. Like it makes no difference. Literally
2: didn't even know. So, I mean, that's the only slightly unusual thing about, but yeah, everything, I mean, I felt super tired, super nauseous. Um, yeah. yeah.
5: Okay, so tell me your labor. Oh. How'd it, how'd it go? <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, honestly, I was so blessed from like the last month of pregnancy. I was kind of already in labor because I was already two centimeters. And um, I was having a lot of cramping those last few weeks leading up to it. So as soon as she broke my water, it was like I was in full-blown labor. They gave me like a tiny bit of uh, Pitocin. Pitocin. I was, um, Rebecca got there, you know, and my husband got there because I was just went for a doctor's appointment for like my checkup, right? Because I was only, I was four or five days late. Um, And I said, oh, can I go home and get like my eye? My hair was okay, right? I have like, I'm, I'm hair. everyone wants their hair blown out, whatever. But I had yep. no makeup on and I had my hospital bag in the car. But what I didn't have was my makeup bag, right? Like as if I thought that I was going to be able to like at least have like a fresh face. You know, those pictures
5: of those like pretty of girls. Of course, of course. Mine are horrible, but yes. I
2: think those are pictures of girls who had, no judgment, but girls who had a C-section who literally didn't have to like sweat and scream and push the entire time. Right,
5: right. Yeah, one of my best friends had a scheduled C-section. And we were like talking endlessly about like, okay, let's just do with like one layer of mascara and like a nice, like Clean let's do skin. like a tinted foundation and a little bit of a lip. It looks like you're not wearing makeup, but like you are.
1: You're not wearing makeup. Yeah, yeah you don't want to look too
2: yeah. perfect.
5: Yes. But yes. I literally
2: thought that I could, you know, get my my doctor just leave me and she's like, no, I'm not gonna let you go home. I need to wheel you to the hospital now. I was like, okay, that's
5: that's fine. Did you cry? No, you were fine. I was
2: excited. I was like, okay, let's do this. And then um, I got into some serious contractions and I was literally shitting my brains out on the toilet. But at least it was on the table. I mean, it was really intense.
5: I labored on the toilet, too. I remember laboring with Albie on on the toilet, gripping onto the handicap rail as if my fucking life depended on it. It was awful
2: i probably labored on there for like a good hour by myself like and rebecca would knock on the door and i'm like i'm good i'm good don't come in <laughs> <laughs> and i don't want him to come in here um and then I, I mean it was incredible it got really intense i was just exactly what i wanted i wanted to labor and i wanted to like really feel not that i was like gonna throw my badge of honor around to other people because it really doesn't matter as long as you have a safe healthy baby and but it is important for each individual person to tr- hopefully try and get their dream scenario and mm-hmm. mine was to like really Labor, as long as I could, I didn't want to have to have any complications. And that's exactly what happened. Like, after one contraction was really intense. My husband and Rebecca, they said, you can go again. I think you can go another half hour. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, I had never felt something so wild before in my whole body. It was really intense. Like, the way I explain it is when you know those kind of like hurricane sirens go off, although we don't live in like the Midwest or Florida, like, yeah to me that's what i had in my mind like of
5: course to you it felt like a sound <laughs> because you're you're a musical genius and you know music more than anything of course you would equate something physical to like it's true. an entire hurricane siren going off it starts off like low and slow and then it ramps up and then it's bizarre you just think you're not going to make I it know. and then it starts to taper off and then it's like fine for 1 minute I and know. then you start to feel it ramp up again
2: the most insane, insane feeling. Um, And then this guy did this amazing epidural and it took like another 15 minutes to kick in. And then I felt incredible after it was over and I was already eight centimeters. They checked me right after and I was like, oh my God, we were so excited. Me and Rebecca like gave each other five. I was so excited because I was going to start pushing in like an hour. So all in all, it was like seven hours of labor. Wow,
5: this is such a beautiful story. And I love hearing ones like this because obviously there's a lot of... uh, Situations that can be traumatic. There can be a lot of things that happen. But for people who are listening who have never had a baby before, it's also an option for everything to just go fine.
2: I think it's great for people to hear for the people listening that want something like what I had to know that it's possible, right? Like I had that total dream. I got to labor, I got the epidural, I kind of got the best of both worlds. And then I had to, um, start pushing and I had this army of women come in and it was the coolest thing. Um, I actually have one funny story with my husband. I was in early contractions, but it was still really painful. And I, you know, there's some couple of people coming in and out of the room and it was just me and Rebecca and David. And, um, David was being great, but was mostly Rebecca doing like the counter pressure, and there was like someone who came and wheeled food in or whatever because they they have to bring food in legally. And I'm just like totally in it, and I look up and my husband's just like full on eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> It was straight out of a movie, just like how it was when my doctor told me to freeze my eggs when I was 28. Straight out of a movie where you look up and you're like, are you freaking kidding me? You're eating a cheeseburger. Yeah, like I'm
5: here blowing my, breaking my body in half and you're just enjoying your cheeseburger. Like, I'm so glad that you're getting your much needed nutrients. Yeah, it was, I mean, he was, he was
2: great, but it was just like a funny moment in my mind.
5: Yep, we had the same. I was like laboring, and Adam had like a red eye, and a nurse noticed it. And then all of a sudden, all the nurses were gone because everyone was looking for Visine for him. And I was like, "Is this a fucking (laughs) joke? Like, everyone's looking for Visine because you have a little bit of like redness? Like, I'm literally here, uh, like about to, you know, about to
2: explode." Yes. I did have, in the middle of a contraction, all of a sudden I, I I said, this is like the most gnarly part, was I said to everybody, I was like, oh my God, I, I, I'm going to throw up. And before I could finish my sentence, because I knew there was a bag on my right side and David was on my right side and I saw him out of my peripheral turn to get it. And I knew it was, it was going to be too late. And I literally projectile all over the back. It went the back of me and the, forward, the front of me. No way. And I saw David get up and go walk towards the other corner. And so my doctor went over to him, sort of the same thing with the red eye. Yes. I was like, David, David. I'm like literally still gagging, like choking, because I was afraid he was going to pass out. Rebecca said it was the craziest exorcist bile green that she'd ever seen. She was like, it was so gnarly. Why do you, why does that happen? Did you ever find out? No, I didn't. But, well, I think it's the hormones, but also the, um, probably like the Pitocin and the... uh, Epidural. Epidural. Because when I threw, this is so, do people want to hear this?
5: Yes! We get real down and dirty in this, uh, yeah, in this podcast. It
2: tasted like medicine, it tasted like it was the stuff that was coming out of my blood, right? Like it was in my bloodstream. It street. was maybe
5: the antibiotics from the... Um Strep B situation. Honey, it was definitely
2: vile. It was really, really gross. But um, Sherry Ross, my doctor, gets up, and she's attending to him. And I was, like, in the middle of the contraction, right? So they're trying to clean me up and, like, get me focused again. And like, Catherine, don't worry about him. Stay focused. And I'm like, oh, David, David.
5: Same. Adam is, like, he was a fainter from needles or blood or anything. So for both my children, when the epidural part comes, he exits and hides in the bathroom or oh, goes and gets food and doesn't stay with me for it. But, like— Are sensitive, loving, germaphobic, sensitive boys. David doesn't take elevators, so I was, uh, I mean, he's,
2: I was very impressed, though, with his ability to kind of, like, he got, we have tons of videos. He got down and dirty, like, watched the (laughs) whole thing. He He did, he did. Oh, totally.
5: Did you have conversations in advance where you were, like, you're allowed to look at my vagina or you're not?
2: Um, yeah, of a course of we did. You. I I was more just like curious, like, were you, were you going to look? Are you going to look? And he's like, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, but he did. And we've like watched the videos back. It's just like the most insane thing to watch because it's just a miracle.
5: And it's not you. Like Adam calls me a transformer. Adam looked and and at first, you know, before we were in the labor room, I was like, just don't look, just stay up at me. Like, I want yeah. you to have sex, want to have sex with right. my vagina like ever again. And and he said he caught a glance of it with our first child and then looked and was everything. But he said his first glance, he was like, Katie, it wasn't even like I was looking at your vagina. Yeah. like He's like, your body literally transformed. I mean, your hips spaced out. 10 centimeters it doesn't look like anything i've seen it to look like and i was like okay well i guess that makes me feel i guess sexier i don't know it's
2: it's so true too like there's some men who have like a weird thing with their spouse or their partner after i feel really bad for them because they shouldn't it should be like a dissociation it shouldn't be it's not a sexual thing right so it's it's a it's a complete a miracle
5: how was pushing
2: um, it was a lot harder than I thought. I mean, I would say, um, that the pushing is like more awful than the pain, which is funny because it's like our bodies just naturally forget. I mean, the pain was really wild and insane. I'm not trying to, but the pushing was, even though I couldn't feel anything, I couldn't feel pressure. So it was really hard for me. It was two hours of pushing. No. Yeah. I was, I was pretty tired and she was like really close to vacuuming. And then after vacuuming, you have to C-section, right? So, but I got lucky and it all worked out. But
5: did you have awareness that it was two and a half hours?
2: I felt that it was long. I I felt that it was starting to go long, you know? And um, every time I pushed, I couldn't look back, but I could see that they were watching the heartbeat. Nothing ever like got really crazy where it dropped really low or anything, but I felt that they were not super happy with the outcome of what was like the the progression of the head and all that stuff. So I was a little bit worried, but I was so kind of focused. And I was really just high off of the adrenaline of all these women just cheering me on, just
1: incredible cheerleaders. So that was really, um, really special. Yeah. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses.
0: at purdueglobal.edu
3: are you on the hunt for a new home this spring
5: Okay, I want to hear how you came up with the name. Oh, yeah. I want to hear, was it Love at First Sight? Was it a slow burn? Tell me all about the, the first minutes and first days. Okay,
2: well, definitely a slow burn. Uh, we have we we've met each other when I was a contestant on American Idol, and he and Andrea Bocelli were the guest mentors. This was back like in 2006. Yeah, mm-hmm. season five. So mm-hmm. um, we were, you know, he produced one of my first singles that I did at, with when I was with RCA, um, but you know, the age difference is pretty, pretty wild. Oh, oh,
5: wait, no, not with David. I love this story, but no.
2: (laughs) Oh, wait, what are you talking about?
5: Your son. Oh, my son. Was it a slow, I love this though. I'm I'm like, I'm like like, like, listening and I'm like, I know this story. And I was like, oh, duh. Well, the age
2: difference between me and my son is quite, is quite a, you know.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I was not clear. This is my fault. Tell me about when you first met Your son. Okay.
2: When I first met Rennie, Mm
5: -hmm.
2: um, well, let me just talk about the name first. So we were, our favorite names were Luke, Lucas. um, What was the other one? I also loved Noah. Um, and then there was, oh, beautiful. Lincoln. We were like, really like Lincoln. Um, cause, uh, Lincoln's birthday, um, obviously President Lincoln's birthday was February 16th or something or 17th. I can't remember. And so we were like, oh man, if he's born early on Lincoln's birthday, we'll name whatever. So that didn't happen, but we still liked the name. We thought like, hey, Link Foster, right? Um, so good. such a good name. Mm-hmm. And so we still hadn't decided. We were just like one of those, those parents were we want to meet him. So I got in the epidural, finished. It was already eight centimeters and I was feeling much better. And David had been messaging people all day long. So he was so excited, you know, like his family and his friends. And so he said, Oh, I'm on an interesting text chain with my sisters. And he's, he's got five sisters now. So he has six sisters, but one's passed away. Um, and they were all kind of talking about the name, and David's like, Well, we haven't decided yet. And she said, Well, have you ever thought about Rennie? Rennie Foster, that was our great great-grandfather's name and our great-uncle's name. And so they named another one of their relatives. Um, he died when he was two, but like back in the day, like a really old, old name. And when he said it, like, oh yeah, my, br- my sister brought up Rennie Foster, like, hey, Ren Foster. And I turned my head, he was on my right again. And I was just like, oh my God, that's such a cool name. I never, I'd never heard that name before. I just thought it was, when he said, hi, Ren Foster, I was like, whoa, that's really strong. The baby was born. And uh I wasn't even thinking about the name. I was just thinking about how cute he was even though you look back at the pictures and you're like you were totally cross-eyed and looked like an alien, but I thought you were cute. Did he have a cone head? He he didn't really a little bit, but he um uh-huh. uh, not too bad actually. So surprisingly, it was um not as bad as some cone heads that but uh yeah, yeah, he has yeah. a pretty like you know, pretty round head anyway. They told me that when he was in utero, like, wow, he's a really round head.
5: Wow. I know,
2: so it might've, I was like, oh, that's going to change when he comes out. They're like, no, not necessarily. Um,
5: so you knew the minute David Foster says his Rennie Foster and he said, and you were like, Ren, it was just, you knew, you knew in your gut.
2: It was like, I wanted a name that, yes, I love the name Luke, but it didn't mean anything to me. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have some history with with the name. Sure. And sure. so- when he said it, it sparked like it did something to me internally and it just um also had meaning, right, to his family, connected to his yeah. family. Um yeah. so that was really what it was. And then of course, like I for me it wasn't a slow burn. I was madly in love with him right away. I was just I I kind of knew that I would feel that way, but some my my one of my best girlfriends said like she didn't feel that way.
5: I didn't feel that way with either of mine. Didn't, yeah, no, oh my God. I was like, so, like, what is this stranger? Wow. That's I mean, like that must be my life?
2: such a wild feeling in itself.
5: Oh, yeah, because you're like, oh shit, I don't feel like I feel like I'm supposed to be feeling more than I do, and I yeah. don't know why. And it I kind of felt better about it with the second kid because I was used to it on the first, where I was like, oh, I think I'm just one of those people that's like, that motherhood has just been on the whole, such so yeah. a slow burn for me. But, um, Like, my best friend, Amy, and you, like, there are some women who literally lock eyes on the baby, and it's like— That's it, yeah. It's a lightning bolt. Like, it's—
2: I'm always careful, like, um, around—even before I had a baby, I was always cognizant of being careful to, like, project how I felt about being a mom. Because— you know, not everybody, like I had no baby blues this whole time. And like today, I've actually been, had baby blues, right? Like I've had, I woke up this morning, it was much lower than I've been. I think like my milk supply mm-hmm. went down. So the hormones yep. drop. And
5: yep. um, I'm glad, you know, all these things, because I think there are a lot of women that don't.
2: My sister really, really struggled with postpartum in like a really bad way. And um, so... I was never would have been aware of it at all. Um hadn't it been something that like affected our family, you know, that was really a big struggle for her and she's doing great, but um right. it was really really hard for her and so for me and my mom because my mom's like you're going to be like how I was. My mom was the second she saw her babies, me and my sister, she was madly in love and it, it felt easier to her and um, breastfeeding. She loved it. And it's all the same things that are true for me. Um, but for my sister, it wasn't that way. She's such a great mom. She loves being a mom. It's just like there's a slow burn for some people.
5: Yeah. Or like a rough start or the hormones really affect people yeah. um, all differently. So you felt love at first sight. How does David feel about having a boy?
2: Oh, my God. He loves it. I mean, he loves this kid. It's so... I mean, you're, I mean your parents going to love every kid you have, but it's been a long time since he's had a little baby in his house, and he is just so cute with him, and I always ask him every day, do you love him, baby? Do you love him? He goes,
5: nah, nah. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Okay. Um, how's it being a stepmom? <laughs> <laughs> I hear your stepdaughters are like, you guys are all super tight. And they're like, how's our mom so hot? How have they taken to Rennie?
2: They make those jokes a lot. It's really funny. It's been really nice because we're living in this condo here um, in LA. We're building a house, but it's like a ways away. And down the hallway, David owns the unit next to us and he had renters in there for a long time and they moved out during COVID. And so it's the first time he's not had to rent it out. And his youngest daughter, Jordan, who's like a year younger than me, I think, Mm -hmm. she's got two kids um, and a great husband. And so we were trying to sell the place next door, but in the meantime, like, come stay here with us. They live in New York City. The COVID was really bad there and at least here they can enjoy the nice weather. Outside. So yeah, they've yeah. been here since, um, last November that which they've, they're still here. They're going to stay through June and, and then they're going to go back to New York, but it's been so nice. Um, I, I love all of them. Um, but particularly Jordan, cause she's a mom of two young kids and we Aww. literally have a hallway and Otto, who is frequently on Aaron's Instagram, and Jordan's, her, his mom's, um, comes running down the hallway. And Junie is only uh, 10 months apart from my son, as well as my nephew. They're both all 10, 10 this months This is apart.
5: amazing! So,
2: um, and it was just great. Like, I love having them there. And it's really kind of like, feels like just a family, sisterly type thing. And it was really nice because I was having another, like, little mommy blues thing. Absolutely. So I was like opening boxes in this foyer just sitting on the ground and we'd just come back from uh, driving in the desert and it was just, you know, keeping a baby happy for two hours in the car is just like a little stressful and, um, yeah, impossible. And she came in and, um, are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired. And then she said something to me and I totally just started like weeping and crying. And she gave me the biggest hug and just said, Kat, I'm so sorry. Being a mom is no joke. She looked at me and said, like, even when you have this, like, picture perfect, I say that in quotations, like, experience of being a mom and the baby's sleeping really well and feeding really well and you had a perfect whatever, she's like, it's still no joke. And
5: it's still a huge identity shift. It's still such an identity shift. And also, yeah. you know, you're at two months you know, it, it's a little bit of the honeymoon phase mm-hmm. is is ending. This is what your life looks like now, and yes. that's really exciting. But it's really real, and it's changed forever. Totally so, changed forever. Um, you know, there's a lot to process, and there's a lot to honor, and yeah. So I have to and say, Jordan
2: wins uh, for sure, as like you know, such a sweet little you
5: know. She's your favorite stepdaughter.
2: My favorite stepdaughter. <laughs> They've all really been great. And um, oh, so but, glad. but it was just, it's been nice to have you know, someone literally like a sister next door gets on her knees and gives you a big
1: hug when you cry. Um, yeah. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post
4: wherever you listen. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results.
0: at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring?
5: How old is Rennie now? He
2: is two months and two days.
5: Oh He's my god! You're, you're doing so well. Oh. <laughs> <everyone else. laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> like that's crazy. I don't know. It just like, makes me laugh when I see your reaction. So well, like mm. it's that's amazing. You're doing so well, and also, yeah, like I felt such a fall off around breastfeeding. To be honest, like I remember sobbing in the waitress. Aww. Um, Dressing room because I got the call that I had to stop breastfeeding because I got a staph infection in oh. the subways of New York City and I had to go on so many different antibiotics in the dermatologist Where did you really get a staph?
2: Was that a bad question to ask?
5: No, oh, I don't care. No, no, no. I had like a, like on my side, it traveled down a hair follicle oh, and it was God. a really weird looking pimple How that they cut open and they cultured and they were like, You have MRSA, which is like the most deadliest staph infection. Oh my gosh. And there was a hu- huge breakout. Um, never would have known this. You were such a professional. No, I never called out for like, it was awful. And but I had to stop breastfeeding. And it's just like, you know, I had a huge hormone drop off then I sobbed like crazy. My other friend who's been on this podcast, um, Jen Finnegan, she got postpartum blues around like six months when she stopped breastfeeding. So there are a lot of hormones in play, but good Lord, like for you to be where you're at at two months and two Thanks. weeks or whatever is great.
2: Well, my doctor did say was that like, if you're going to have some serious postpartum stuff, it's usually reveals itself within the first two weeks, you know, but yep. that being yep. said, it doesn't mean that two months, three months, four months later, so even six months, you're not going to feel some sort of your hormones are constantly changing. Do you know um, this girl, mama, says, she goes, by Mama Seuss is her company, but she's her name's Desiree, and she's this incredible masseuse who kind of worked. She works with all new moms. I don't
5: know, I don't know this. Oh, lovely, she's Desiree.
2: She's incredible. Her hands are like unbelievable. But yesterday she came to my house and she works on newborn babies too. She'll massage them because they're all like really tight in utero. Right, and weirdo. Yeah. And yesterday morning I woke up and I felt kind of bloated. And I was like, Oh, that's so weird. I haven't felt that in so long. Like, you know, um, um, menstrual cycle type stuff, like yeah, before you yeah. get your period. That yeah. was before she came. And I just thought to myself, that's interesting. I haven't had that in a long time. And then she's massaging me and she's like, you know, you're ov- ovulating on your left side. And I was like, what? And she's, yeah, yeah you're, you're totally ovulating, ovulating here. I was like, oh my God, that makes total sense that I was bloated and wow. that my hormones are like starting to wow, change that's tubes.
5: exactly right. That's exactly what that is. And also how people get pregnant while they're breastfeeding and they think that they can't, but you can- even though you don't have your period yet, you guys, you can still ovulate and you can still fucking oh, You could totally get pregnant.
2: I was like, oh, so watch that out. Would, that would be the most insane. I, I said, Desiree, like, there's no way someone can have a baby and then two months later get pregnant. She's like, oh yeah, it happens.
5: That's called Irish twins. They're nine to 10 months apart. I can't it's even like, imagine. It's like literally getting pregnant like the first time you're like allowed to have sex again. It's insane. It would be. That would me. be, I would, be no. <laughs> um, How is breastfeeding going?
2: It's going great. Um, Another mommy friend was just like you're so lucky to have a good supply and da, da da and have him latch properly. And I was just like, I know, I'm so lucky, I've just been so lucky. Um he's a big baby. How how big was he when he was born? He wasn't actually as big as they told me he was gonna be. He was seven pounds ten ounces.
5: Oh, that's big for a first baby. It's a big, big baby. But
2: I was yeah. eight pounds. My sister's baby were nine pounds. So I was like, those to me were big babies, right? Like nine pounds were big. So I was like, oh, he's under eight pounds. He wasn't that big. But that being said, he's grown really fast. So he's probably almost 14 pounds now.
5: Wow, Renny! Yeah. Yeah, he's really amazing. long. He's in
2: the 95th percentile in height. Oh, Nice, nice. So nice. he's going to be, he's going to be a big boy, but, um, you know, he's hungry and I have a really lovely baby nurse who is, um, obviously it's her specialty to know what to do with babies. And for me, because someone who I felt like I'm maternal and kind of like naturally know what to do, some things I didn't know. um, One of the things I would never have done is like supplemented with formula, right? Because um I would have this thing like, I can't give my baby formula, you know, I can't give him. So she had said to me, he's hungry, like he's going to sleep longer through the night if you, you know, top him up, which was kind of hard for me because I didn't love that idea. Um I think yeah. it's always hard for moms with anything when they have something in their mind, like how they want something to go.
5: And you never know what's going to trigger you. Like, I was super triggered by formula too. My sister-in-law, my other friend, like that's not a problem for them. Just because you're giving formula doesn't negate that you're giving them breast milk also. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't all of a sudden cancel out breast milk
2: or- It doesn't. But the thing that's happened to me that I think is an interesting thing to share is- um, Tell me. Well, the first, I don't know, six weeks, I was doing like the middle of the night feeding and then getting up four hours later. He was quite he's always been pretty good. He's always gone like three or four hours. So I've been tired, right? But I've like not been as tired because I have lovely help and stuff like that. But as I started to add in supplementing, right? Like yeah. I've not been getting up for that middle of the night feed, which is funny because I'm still just as You're tired. You're
5: going to be tired for two years. Yeah, I still Sorry. get up at
2: 6, 6.30 after I've had like a whole night's sleep and I'm still tired. Um, yeah. But I've noticed that when he wakes up at 6.30 or 7 to eat, he's not ravenous, right? So I didn't realize it till today or yesterday that I didn't realize it would affect my my milk supply. And my milk supply has gone down, which is then what's changed my hormones and has made me a lot more emotional and upset that I'm not having as much supply, but also just mm-hmm. emotionally, um, you can affect your milk supply when you start doing that. So, and it's not that I wasn't pumping, but I don't think I was pumping as much. Um, and I realized I kind of just probably need to do the middle of the night feed. And you have to weigh what's important to you. Like I'm still tired in the morning, so it doesn't really matter to me that if I might as well just get up in the middle of the night to pump or feed him
5: um, to keep my milk supply up. It depends on what battle, like like how how long you can sustain that. Like I pumped the middle of the night feed with, be till he was, like, three months old. And then I was like, I'm going exhausted. to crash right. the car. Right. Like, I cannot do this. And so I stopped pumping in the middle of the night. Um, it ended up kind of simultaneously happening, where he also stopped waking up in the middle of the night. Right. And I would breastfeed him at 7 a.m. And then as the second he'd finish, I would pump because nice. to I empty would get, yourself like, an out. additional— Right. Yeah, because you're so full from going all night right, right, that right. I would get, like, an additional bottle out after, like, a breastfeed session. But you'll figure it out. He's
2: only two months, and I realized, like, yeah, for me, it's a little too early for me to not have that, like, supply that I want. So I'm trying to get my milk supply back up again. So we'll see how that goes. But um, you, can. you can. Yeah.
5: It's, you'll, it'll go down and up. Breastfeeding is a full-time job. It is. Okay, so now you've got three. Breastfeeding— right. Being a mom and also all of your other shit, right? So you'll start to know, like, oh, I didn't drink enough water today, right? Like, because I'll have a like I'll have a really low day and be like, have I drank in any water? Right? And I'm like, oh shit! That's Why? I like, b- b- breast milk is based in water. That's oh, good to know because I I don't think I'm drinking enough water too. Yeah. Oh, you have to drink so much water. And also, I mean, for me, it sucks, but breastfeeding and dieting do not go hand in hand oh no okay you know yeah, no. carry people who breastfed like i have friends who are like the minute they started doing cardio and sweating gone. too much gone because also water's leaving your body it sucks yeah i haven't done any
2: really working out. i've done a lot of walking but also just Perfect. running running around a little bit too much which is just Doing too much, visiting too many people, like I think the exhaustion has lowered everything. So um it's definitely affected things and it's made it's bummed me out. So now I'm like, okay, that bums me out. So I have to that that need to make important more of a
5: priority. You're gonna yeah. make it a priority and it's for a little bit and then you'll adjust again. Also you're in this sort of window where he'll start eating food at six months. I know. And you'll—I know, it's a lot. It's crazy. But <laughs> you'll start to feel less pressure about your supply because right. he's going to be getting calories from a lot of different things. Right. And your milk supply will go down. Yeah. Um, how do you feel getting into body image stuff, like being in Hollywood, being famous, and, and going through—I mean, it's kind of weird that you went through all these body changes when all the spotlighting cameras— yeah were kind of on you although i just saw you on american idol and you looked fucking oh, amazing thank you oh my god adam and i just watched you on american idol oh, oh
2: my god you You're are so, so cute good. well that was fun cuz it was just fun to get out of the house and like have hair and makeup and put on a pretty dress and all that stuff but you know for me because COVID was so crazy during that, especially December, November, December, when I was really the most pregnant and feeling pretty good. Because um, that last trimester, I had a lot of energy. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really get to wear a bunch of. I wasn't really worried about fitting into stuff, you know. Um, and uh, the, the like, I've just realized that the extra weight that I put on through like the pregnancy isn't going to really come off until I stop breastfeeding. Like some people say the opposite, like, oh, you'll fall off of you with breastfeeding. I'm like, actually, I feel like everything's being, you're like nodding your head going, no way.
5: I have a very small handful of women who breastfed and were thinner than they ever were before they got pregnant. And fuck those ladies. And I'm not (laughs) not talking (laughs) shit about them because I said this to their face. Right. Me and the rest of the world... The minute you stop breastfeeding three months after, all of a sudden your body is like, I don't know what that is, but I, I had a, I couldn't lose the last 15 until I stopped breastfeeding.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's going to happen to me. Where I was before I got pregnant is about 15 pounds up from where I am. And I'm just like, okay, it's just not going to go away until I stop breastfeeding. But you look
5: beautiful. And also, I don't even know what you're talking about, but okay. Thank you. So I wanted to ask, how have you been feeling in your post-pregnancy body? Um,
2: it, you know, it hasn't bothered me at all in my mind post-pregnancy. I've never felt like more patient and more kind to myself because oh, I think so I'm in. Good. Yeah, it's really nice Um, because I think I'm just in awe of what my body and our bodies as women do. And I'm also just so obsessed with something other than myself, right? I mean, like I'm in love with something other than my hair and my makeup and my clothes that my fashion clothes that I want to wear. It's just like, I don't care. I want to, you know, I, I want to like look nice, but if I don't fit into my size 26 jeans, you know, like, or even my 27 jeans, like I will eventually, or maybe I won't. Um, Or if I really want to, I can, you know, so it's just not today and it's maybe not tomorrow, but I really struggled the, my first trimester. I don't know why it was so hard for me because I look back at the pictures of My, like, 15-week, you know, there's, like, a little tiny bump, and I'm like, oh, my God, you were so hard on yourself. Not because of the bump, but I'm gaining weight everywhere else, and I'm going to be one of those pregnant women that faces get huge and their arms get heavy, and I gained 15 pounds of actual fat. It's, like, not a big deal.
5: The first trimester is really hard, I think, in that way, because you feel like shit. And yeah. you're eating like shit oh my gosh yeah to feel better you know what i mean because you're so nauseous and so you're just living on bread and cheese or that's what i do no that's what and i so said, you like, just feel, feel gross you don't feel yourself you feel right. flu like you feel nauseous the first trimester started to feel better
2: second trimester i didn't feel as well as i wanted to you know mm-hmm. as quickly as i wanted to um and i went back to work which was really interesting
5: yeah, we, we let's talk about that. So the net—it's Netflix, right? Yeah, I'm
2: on this show. Called, well, I—I I say was, but I am on a show until I hear further notice.
5: Yay! Called Country Comfort, and you were pregnant while you shot. How did that feel? It
2: was—it uh, was interesting because I the first four episodes was right before the pandemic, so I wasn't pregnant. I was like very lean, very thin, um, and and then I felt like. Most people during the pandemic, even though I had an excuse, I was pregnant, like came, came back and had gained like 15 pounds. Sure. So I was a little bit like worried. But then at the same time, I wasn't, you know. Um, but the costume designer was incredible and it was kind of fun to hide it. And the funny thing is, like, I was just saw a girlfriend who is 15 weeks pregnant last night and she just popped. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. You think you popped. Right. Like, because I was the same way. Like, I thought that. <laughs> I had popped, and I was, like, really showing and stuff. And if you watch the show, which I would hope you do, highly recommend. Yes, everybody watch. It's just such a cute show. It's really sweet. Um, I, like, look back at episode five, six, seven. It's not until, like, maybe eight, nine, ten. There's only ten episodes that you start to, like, oh, I could see that. But my mind thought that I was so much bigger than I was. Um, And uh, Totally.
5: Did you choose to get pregnant in once the pandemic hit? I
2: think a lot of people probably did, because I know so many yeah. people who, yeah, because I was just like, you're always trying to find, This those women have the struggle of, if they want to have a career, of when's the perfect time and there really is no perfect time. But um, I was able to take a break from the show, get pregnant, and then um, get, finish out the show and not have it, like, completely upend everything, like make it really difficult for everyone to shoot. So um, I was really happy that it worked out the way it did. And then, you know, I got to be in my little COVID bubble and just be pregnant and Rebecca's yoga class, I met some great girls. It was really important because I felt like I was in this little vacuum and I felt like I didn't get to share my pregnancy with my friends and go to lunch and wear cute outfits and things like that. I mean, I know it sounds in the scheme of what people are really struggling with during COVID seems sort of stupid, but but that was my, you know, that was my reality.
5: Also, like if you're only going to do it, a handful of times in your life, like I don't know how many kids you're gonna have, but like y- y- I would love to have more,
2: but I don't know if that's mm-hmm. gonna work. I, but it will.
5: <laughs> I think you're gonna get your. I feel. I feel it. I
2: gotta wait until this kid starts like crawling and walking and see how zen I am because this is the stage that I think is easy because they're just they sleep, they blobs. eat, they poop, they like their are blobs yeah. and they're just so cute. And to me, it's more work as they get older. So we'll, well
5: see. Yes. Well, it's just different. It's different kind of work. So. Cat, before I let you go, any words of wisdom or advice for a pregnant woman right now listening or, you know, women with newborns?
2: Yeah, okay. And I learned this from my lovely baby nurse. Um, so everyone is fearful of that first poop, okay? Especially after vaginal birth, right? But not like... Women who have C-section, it's a little different situation. But my advice is to make this thing called prune tea. You take a bunch of prunes that are in, you know, the ones you come in a package. You put them in a pot of water. You boil them down for like an hour or two. You know, you almost like making cranberry um, cranberry sauce. This is really important.
5: My mouth is on the job. I, I've never heard this, and this is brilliant. It's
2: brilliant. And it's so delicious. The tea gets to be a dark brown color, kind of like poop. And um, you put up like three or four prunes at the bottom of your tea and you make sure it's warm when you drink it. The tea should get really sweet. Um, The prunes will be just like this mushy stuff at the bottom. It's like the treat at the bottom of your tea. Drink it morning and night. And I'm telling you, you'll have the smoothest poop you've ever had.
5: <laughs> oh, which is the biggest miracle. Because when you've pushed, as long as you pushed, yeah. and then you're expected to, like, push your first poop out, you are so scared that right. you are going to do damage.
2: Yeah, and of course. It's very, like, the people, my sister's, like, I fully, remember, fully remember screaming. It was so yeah. painful. And I yeah. just didn't have that experience. And I'm really grateful.
5: Prune tea. Genius. Prune tea
2: and take your, because um, they give you a, they give you a uh, colace yeah at the hospital and I yeah. recommend just taking it and then prune tea morning and night and you can do that for several weeks like because you know it takes a while for your system to kind of get reacclimated. so anyway that's my little bit of advice it's not as like you know worldly
5: but- it's so practical which is what we need yes <laughs> <laughs> cat Thank you so You're much welcome. for coming on Katie's Crib. Thank you for all of your stories and experiences. I feel like as women together and moms, it's just always so helpful just telling, getting on here and telling honest, true stories, and we're all yeah. in this together, and— I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And Rennie, I can't wait to meet him.
2: I want your viewers to know, I wish I could like to play the video, that you and Adam and the whole family sent me and David the cutest, because I sent um, Adam a video of the new Yes, Marco Polo, I saw it. You really are as lovely and shiny and bright as you are really off of this podcast and off camera because you just, you and Adam are just... You guys sent me the coolest fun. You made me feel so good. Thank
5: you. Your kid is lucky as hell to have you as a mom. That's how I feel. And also, Mommy and Me class on Friday is going to be going off. I know. It's going to be so (laughs) It's going to be going off. You guys, we did it. It's happening. Season four is upon us. And I want to hear from you. Please tell me your thoughts, your comments. If there are topics you want to talk about, it's not too late. If there are guests that you want me to have on, I can try my hardest to go get them. So send me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, comments at Crib at shondaland.com. Oh, also, tell your friends, subscribe, and share. Bye. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: Zumo Play.